Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 12, please. Mark chapter 12, raise your hand if you need one. Barbara will make sure you get one. Uh, we want you to have the Word of God in your laps. In Mark chapter 12 this morning, and uh, we are continuing the study of the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order, and a uh, little bit hard to follow because you don't know where we're going to be next week, uh, but uh, I'm going to start telling you where we're going to be next week so you can read ahead. So uh, I'll, I'll let you know at the end here, but we'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'll give you a little, little uh, you know, peek, sneak peek of uh, next week is going to be Matthew chapter 24. Oh, yeah, the Olivet Discourse. We are getting ready to get into that, so that's going to be awesome. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here with us this morning to worship with us. We have a welcome packet at the Welcome Center there. If you are interested in uh, knowing a little bit more about who we are, what we believe, make sure you stop there and grab one of those. There's also a Connect card in the seat back pocket in front of you. you. We want you to fill that out. You can uh, hand it in at the Welcome Center, and they'll give you a little packet. We want to connect with you, pray for you. And, uh, you know, it's nice to know who, who is here so that we can pray over. We pray over the guests every week and ask the Lord to direct them to wherever it is that he has for them. And we want, we know that uh, if it's not here, we want people to be connected somewhere that uh, they're, they're sitting before the Lord and, and allowing the Lord's word to do the work in their hearts that it needs to. So make sure you do that. And uh, we also want to welcome our online audience. You know, it's interesting that... Uh, just looking at some stats online, you'd think, you know, there, there are people tracking with us all over the world. I mean, it's crazy. Some of um, some sermons um, have been, you know, viewed all over, you know, Japan, Europe, all over the place. So we live in the day and the age where stuff is just available, you know, electronically in, in this format. And so, you know, we are taking the word not just to our uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but to the ends of the earth you know, simply through technology. So, you know, that's all a part of what we're trying to do as, as the Great Commission is to make disciples. And so you're, be, you're a part of that through the online ministry. And so we're thankful for the Lord allowing us to be able to do that. Stand with me, if you would, please. Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12. And what a passage we have before us, man. This is such a great, great passage for what we're going to do later in the service and communion. As we consider... Giving and how the Lord has given to us. Look at Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, and it says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that we come to this passage on this day. Lord, will we consider giving this act of worship, Lord, Recognizing that all we have has been given to us. Recognizing that you gave all for us. Even your life. Your only begotten son, Father, you gave. We're grateful this morning. 
Lord, help us to hear your word this morning, to be sensitive to your spirit. You would speak to us about this topic, that you would help us to be conformed to your image this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys need some lights to see? Are you good? Okay. It looks a little dark out there. Is that just, I didn't mean that in a sinful way, like dark in that way, but you know, you know. Well, two men were marooned on an island. One paced back and forth, worried, while the other sat back sunning himself. The first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid? We're about to die. The second man said, no. I make $100,000 a week and tithe faithfully to my church. My pastor will find me. Now, <laughs> now, if his pastor's last name is Dollar, then maybe he will find him in his $65 million, you know, Gulfstream jet flying over the world seeking out to find that one. But listen, if you go missing, I want you to understand that I'm not coming after you because of your money. It's because I love you. Because I love you. Hey, I had to find a way to break the ice on a text like this this morning because, let's face it, money is a subject that people don't want to hear about in church. It's one of those things, it's a, there's a stigma when you bring up the subject of money in church that the enemy has done a great job of, of you know, making it an issue with people in the body. I remember, you know, coming into the church and I had the, the typical stigma, which is still present today. All the church cares about is what? Money. All the church cares about is money. And, and so when I started to go to church, not growing up in church, that's what I thought. And in fact, it's kind of what I saw. I mean, the places that I went, the, the, the churches that I sat in, that's what I heard. Maybe it's because that's what I was looking to hear. But regardless, you rarely hear somebody handle this topic well. Typically in the church, it's used and abused in a way so that we can, you know, propagate our agendas, so that we can get across our, so we can make sure that our ministries are going to go forward. And you hear it on the radio, and you see it on TV, and you see people take the subject of money, and they beat the people with the scriptures. They, they turn to a, a, a passage like Malachi chapter 3, and they begin to tell you that you're robbing God and, and all these different things. And whether or not that is true is something that you have to consider in your own heart. But we want to look at the scriptures this morning and consider this because money, although it is a sensitive topic in the church, it is part of our worship. When we come before the Lord and we give to God, it is part of our worship. It is something that is thread throughout scripture that, you know, God has implemented and you know, primarily for the one reason, I believe, not because God is in need of money, because God wants all of your heart. And I believe that's the whole point of why God allows this. Now, there are some practical reasons why God, you know, has his people contribute to the church because there are bills to be paid, you know. It'd be nice if, if money just felt, you know, if you just had a money tree in the back of the church and you could just pull off of it and pay your bills. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not the way that uh, the Lord has chosen to do it, but he's chosen to do it through his people. He provides for the things that he calls us to do. And I'm proud to say that the Lord continues to provide for our ministry, and we're thankful for that. Because let me tell you something, the minute that he stops then maybe he's done with the work. We're not going to propagate. We're not going to put thermometers up on our stage, and we're not going to, you know, raise funds in the church because 
If God is in it, he will provide for it. We have a saying in our movement, which is where God guides, he what? Provides. Where God guides, he provides. And so, you know, but, but money has been one of those things that is keeping people out of church. I was reading an article from uh, Pew Research Center uh, that stated one of the growing number of reasons adults are not identifying with any religious group anymore is because they believe that the church has become a business and it's all about money. The same thing with millennials. You know, 59% of millennials that were raised in the church are now leaving the church. And one of the reasons, and I say one of them because there are many, but one of them is this idea that, you know, the church is, uh, you know, mishandling the funds of God. They don't believe that the God, they're using the funds correctly, you know, uh, it, as it relates to what God would have them do. There is a distrust and a misallocation of resources, they say. I, I kind of have to agree when I read different articles, uh, you know, about pastors that, that are making, you know, a half a billion dollars from the church, a half, not a half a billion, not million, a half a billion dollars uh, on salary from the church. I happen to agree that that's a, a misallocation of, of funds, and I have a problem with that. Uh, I'm not a person that believes that a pastor should be dirt poor. I, I believe that, you know, the worker's worth his wage. The Bible says that. 1 Timothy 5.18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. However, there is a fine line between what is reasonable and what is excessive. And so I can understand there are, there are many abuses going on in the church, you know, as it relates to this. People are using God's word to, uh, you know, abuse and guilt people, also trying to produce some false hope in them as it relates to giving. You can turn on the TV and flip through a few channels and you can see this being acted out as people will tell you, you know, hey, if you'll just give $10 to this ministry, God's going to bless you. You're going to get tenfold back. I mean, who's not going to get 10 to get 100? Who's not going to do that? I mean, that's just crazy not to. It's like, oh, I can't afford to. Where's my wallet? You know, I got to make sure I get that out there because, you know, abusing the promises of God as if they're Win, the winning lottery ticket, as if God is, you know, you've given your 10, so he's got to give you the 100 back. Listen, God is a blesser. He blesses. He blesses big time. I can tell you, you know, in my life, God has blessed me tremendously, not just financially, but in many ways. And so, you know, we have to look at the, the scriptures and consider the promises of God, and we can't use them to get what we want, God promises and we leave it at him to fulfill that promise because he's faithful. He will fulfill his promises, right? He will do it. Uh, you know, one of the things that when we come to this subject that is the reason why there's a stigma is people don't understand the idea of what, what giving represents. They don't understand that when you give to a church or you give to a ministry, uh, you know, you shouldn't be looking at it as, as if you're giving it to a man because you're not. You're giving it to God, when you give to this church, you're not giving it to me. You're not giving it to the missionaries that we support. You're not giving it to the, you know, the homeless or the poor or to the benevolence ministry. You're not giving to any of that. You're giving directly to God. And then he chooses to uh, disperse that however he chooses to do that. But we have to understand, you know, what, what, when we come to the subject of giving, who we're giving to. If you think you're giving to a man, then it's easy to get jaded by what's happening in the church, and you can look at, well, 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 we painted the bathroom last week. I didn't think that needed to happen. I'm no longer giving, you know, and you pull the strings back, and, and you're like, well, hey, listen, people do mishandle the purse strings of God. 
And I want to apologize for you on behalf of, uh, you know, the church in general, many pastors and leaders, for, the, for some of those who have mishandled the purse strings of God. Listen, I apologize. I'm sorry that that happens. It, it, it disgraces the Lord when man does that. But I also at the same time want to apologize to you this morning for how some of the people of God have handled the fact that pastors have mishandled the purse strings of God as well. Because many people, they pull back from their worship of God because of what they see happening in the church. Here's the deal. I want to apologize for you on behalf of that. Because at the end of the day, all of those should never stop you from doing what the word tells you to do. We're called to be like God. Now, if you know anything about God, the very first thing that you have to understand is that he is a giver. And he gives. And he gives unconditionally. He doesn't give based on what you deserve because, frankly, none of us deserve anything. But he does give, doesn't he? You have way more than you deserve. When I woke up this morning, I said, God, thank you for all that you've given me. I have way more than I deserve. You might be here this morning and you might be thinking, man, I wish I had, you know, somebody else's bank account. Let me tell you something. You have way more than you deserve. And I don't care what the number is in the account. We all have way more than we deserve. The Lord wants us to understand, and when it comes to the subject of money, that it's an act of worship, and that when we give, we're giving to him. We're giving to him alone. You know, for, for some of you, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like worship to you because you've seen this abuse in the church, and, you know, when you come into a, a, a service like this and you think, like, okay, when's the worship, when is the plate passing going to start because that's when the abomination starts for me and you start to get upset you know when you start to see the plate because you feel pressured and it doesn't feel like worship at all it feels like this begging session or it feels like this high pressure scam uh, that you feel like man I guess I've got to reach in and put whatever a couple bucks in the plate you know um, you know and, and we don't do that here the reason why we don't do that here is because we believe that this is such a stigma that we don't want to hinder worship it's not that we don't believe in worshiping God through giving. We don't believe, we were trying to take away any excuse. And what we've done is we've placed a box in the back. And we don't pass a plate because I personally believe that it's a distraction in worship to do that. It distracts people. There, it's too, there's, too, it, there's too many stigmas with it and so it distracts people. And so we put a box in the back. Now I'm not saying it's wrong to pass a plate and in, in, in all of that. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is for us, I believe it's a distraction for worship. Could you imagine if we started passing a wireless mic through the, sta uh, through the congregation as we're playing worship? You know, like, where's Dan Bradlow? It's my chance. Hey, Dan, look at me. Oh, shout to the Lord. <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. And you're, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, you know, how distracting would that be? Be incredibly distracting. Listen, I personally believe that's can happen when the plate is passed. That's why we don't do it that way. We believe firmly that, that giving is worship to God, but we believe that it's personal worship, and that we believe that it's worship that should be done to the Lord, as unto the Lord. Nobody needs to see what you're doing. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And so we put a box in the back, and we just trust the Lord with it. We don't talk about money unless it comes across in Scripture because we're not worried about uh, trying to continue to pump life into something if the Lord's not pumping life into it. 
if he does what he does and then it turns that, you know, he's going to do something else, praise God for that. We want to be about his business, amen? Not our business. This isn't our ministry. This isn't our church. And so we just trust the Lord with it. He will provide for it. And, it, and we've seen him do it. It's been awesome. But it's worship to the Lord. And, and, you know, it's a private thing. And God loves a cheerful giver. He loves when you cheerfully give. He loves when you come before him and just say, Lord, here is my gift to you, Lord, and I love you. And here, here you go. That's what we're going to see in our scriptures this morning in the text that we have before us is somebody who truly gets the idea of giving. We find it's Tuesday of Passion Week here and Jesus is in the temple. If you've been with us, you know that he has just finished woeing the Pharisees and he is hammering them on, on their hypocrisy and their blindness to the scriptures. And we come to now... This event in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, and it says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. I have a diagram of the temple up there, and you can see that the temple uh, treasury is, is hosted in the woman's, women's court there. And the portico on the right hand, top right-hand side there, where all those columns are, was where the, um, the offering boxes would sit. These offering boxes were interesting because they were, they were, they were wooden boxes that had uh, these horns coming out of them that would widen at the top so that you could get your money in there and they would narrow at the bottom. They would go into this box and they were these receptacles that were like funnels. Now, Jesus is sitting somewhere in the women's court there, whether it's on the steps that go into the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the, the temple building area there or across from it. We don't know exactly where he's sitting, but we know that the scripture tells us that he's sitting there and that he is observing people putting money in the box. He was observing those who were giving. He's not really observing how much they're giving, but what he's observing is how they're giving. You see, so oftentimes we think like, oh man, I don't have much to give. And, you know, the Lord can't do much with this, and so I'm not going to give it all. But it's an act of worship, and it's something that we should do, and God can do a lot with a little. And so it's, it, you know, everybody can give, and, and it's interesting how we make these observations on our own, but the Lord isn't necessarily interested in how much you can give. It's how you give. He's concerned about the heart. He looks at the heart. He wants to understand why you're giving. I mean, if you, you know, if you could give a lot and your heart isn't connected and you're not doing it in the right way, the Lord's not pleased. You, can, you, know, it, you're, you can't buy you know, his favor by what you give. Just like you can't buy affections in the world today. It doesn't matter how much. I mean, we've seen people do it over and over again. We see the, the wealthy and we see the rich and the famous and these people um, that are, are continually bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. They're just... Bankrupt because you can't buy what we need inside. You can't fill that void with any materialism, with any relationship on this earth, with any earthly thing. You can only fill it with the Lord. Jesus is observing the way that somebody gives, not how much they give. He's looking to see whether we're doing it out of duty or devotion. He sees why we give. Now, I'm calling this message No Strings Attached, be, no strings attached because in our text, we find a woman that understands giving. She isn't giving based on what she sees. 
the religious leaders, much like those in the church today, had, were mishandling the temple and the way that they were handling the money. They, Jesus said that they were lovers of money. They were ripping off the flock. They were stripping, uh, you know, they were, they were literally ripping off widows. They would go into widows' houses and they weren't, would, wouldn't come to them with comfort. They would come to them with an agenda to try and get their stuff. So they would go to a widow's home and they would say, well, we really think that it's probably just the wisest thing for you to do to turn your assets over to the temple so that we can manage them for you. That was really happening in this day. Uh, th- this widow was somebody that wasn't allowing the way that the, the, the people were handling the funds in the church to stop her from worshiping God because she understood that she's responsible for her worship. She's not responsible for what happens afterwards. She's not responsible for what that person does with what, what she believes she's giving as, a, as an offering to the Lord. And some of you that are trying to be good stewards are, are saying, well, I don't get that. I want to be a good steward. And, and you know, we don't throw out um, good judgment, uh, you know, as the Holy Spirit leads us to give. We, we just follow what he says. That, that means when we, when we pass a homeless person and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give them five bucks, you're not putting conditions on it. You're not saying, here's five bucks, but you got to do this, 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 and this, and why don't you get a job, by the way, and um, all this kind of stuff. The Lord just says, hey, just, just be generous. Just be generous and just do what I say. Just give as I would call you to give. She understood that there was a lot of selfish gain going on, but that didn't inhibit her from worshiping. She also wasn't giving to get something. Uh, she, she didn't hear a sermon that said, if you, give, you know, if you give your two mites, it'll turn into 20, and so let's do that because you barely have anything to live on, and so let's turn that two into 20, so go ahead and give it all. No, she wasn't doing that either. She wasn't looking to get anything. She was worshiping God with all that she had. She comes to God with an offering with no strings attached. She isn't looking to get anything. There are no conditions to her offering. She wasn't coerced to give. She didn't hear a message from Jesus that made her respond emotionally because she was feeling guilty and convicted about what was said. This was an act of worship to God. She understood one simple thing. And if we'll get this, we'll understand everything. God is worthy, period. He is worthy. He's not worthy because he's done something for you. He's not worthy because he loves you. He is worthy, period. And because he's worthy, we worship him. We don't worship him conditionally. We don't come to him and say, God, because you've done this for me, I'm doing this for you. That's conditional worship. We come to God unconditionally as he comes to us. He loves us not because of who we are, because of who he is. And so we love him because of who he is, not for what he's done. You know, so oftentimes we draw close to God when he's really turning it on and loving on us. And then when we feel distant from him, we're like kind of give him the cold shoulder. And we're like, I don't understand why you're doing this to me, Lord. And, and, our, condi- and our affections for God are conditional based on what he's doing in our life. Anybody feel that? It's true. We do it. And what we have to do is train our minds to worship God no matter what we're going through. Like we don't draw back, we don't pull back because we're having difficulties in our life, but we press in further. Like we just worship him because he's worthy. This girl got that, man. This lady understood that, and that's why she gave the way she gave. And some of you, maybe your spiritual lives are being hindered because you're conditionally worshiping God, and he's just saying, man, just come to me because of who I am. Not because of anything that I can do for you. 
And you just say, man, if you'll come that way, you will see a, a completely different side of me that you've ever seen before. As I read the scriptures and the more that I understand about the Lord, I'm blown away by who he is. He is so good. He is so loving, so compassionate. Man, I believe that it blesses God's socks off to bless us. As a father, I kind of understand that. I love to bless my children, but I think God, when he blesses his kids, man, it blesses his socks off. He's just like, man, it's because it, 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 it allows him the avenue to um, express the, his goodness to people, express his love to people. It allows him to be who he is. And that's why he does what he does, because of who he is. So we should worship him purely because he's worthy for no other reason. Not because Jesus went to the cross for us, not because our sins are forgiven by grace through faith, but because of who he is. And if you'll understand that, it will transform your walk with the Lord. It will change everything. You think that you love him now and you're loving him conditionally, wait till you, under, you start to worship him based on the fact of who he is. It'll change everything. She got all of that, man. So she's coming to the Lord with no strings attached. There's a couple things I want to show you out of the text here that I think may affect the way that you see giving. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that, you know, this woman in the, in the text didn't pull the circumstantial card. She didn't pull the circumstantial strings and say, man, I'm, not, I'm in no place to give, so therefore I will not give. Uh, she never allowed her circumstances to dictate her worship. Write that down. Never allow your circumstances to dictate your worship. You have to have a mindset of understanding that you're worshiping God for who he is in order to do that. It, look what it says there. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. Now, how many times have you ever, uh, fill in the blank here for me, how many times have you ever heard somebody say, I would give, but I can't what? Afford it. I would give, but I can't afford it. How about this? I've been so blessed by God that I give because I can. Because I can. Because I'm in a position of financial position that I can give, and so therefore I am giving. How about this? I'm just paying it what? Paying it forward. I'm paying it forward. Now, do you know what all of those have in common? They're all conditional. Every one of those is a conditional string. There are conditional strings attached to it. I'm not giving because I can't afford to give. That's a condition. That's conditional. You know, I'm giving because I can give. That's conditional. You know, I'm giving because I'm paying something forward because someone has been kind to me. Therefore, I'm going to be kind to somebody else. That's all conditional. You wouldn't do any of that. Uh, you know, if you weren't in a circumstantial position to do it because it's conditional. Uh, we don't give because we have to give or because we can give or we don't give because we can't give. We do it because it's worship to the Lord. When it comes to worship, circumstances should never be a deciding factor for us. We worship God first and foremost because of who he is. He is worthy of our worship. He deserves our whole hearts regardless of what's going on in our lives. We don't worship him because he did something for us. That's conditional worship. Jesus is observing our worship today. Even now, he's looking at our hearts and he's considering how we're giving. How are we giving? Are we giving conditionally? We come in here conditionally. God, I'm here because you blessed me this week and so, you know, 
I'm, I'm coming because of that. Is what, Why are you here? Are you here because of who he is? Because he's worthy or because of what he's done? Because if it's the second part, first, that's conditional. Because if God didn't do anything else in your life, understand this, he's still worthy and he deserves your worship. Circumstances should never dictate your worship. Firstly, we see that circumstantially there were people in the temple that could give. And they could give big. I mean, look what it says there. Many rich people put in large sums. Like there was a lot of rich people in the temple that day, and they were bringing it. Like I can only imagine what the, the priests in the temple were like. Oh, man, look at, look at these offerings. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Look at all this cash that's coming. And we, we, it's how incredible it is. And then, you know, as they would give, you know, they would bring the truckloads of money and understand the currency of that day was what? It was a coin. And so when you would dump a coin into a brass funnel, what would it do? It would be like a, a, a slot machines going off everywhere. And so it would be very difficult to not draw attention to yourself as you were giving. And that's why many people came in the, in the peak of the day when everybody was there. You know, 6,000 people could fit in that, that temple square there in the women's court. They'd be packed out, Jesus observing. And here these guys are standing and they're saying, hey, pour it slower. Pour it a little slower so people can see me a little bit more. There was probably much of that going on. They weren't giving as an act of worship. They were giving to get. They were giving because they wanted attention, because they wanted accolades, because they wanted people to see them as spiritual people. You know, wanted to see, wanted to see them. They were trying to elevate themselves in some way, shape, or form. Not all of them. Not all of them. I don't think Jesus was, was simply saying that, you know, he's just observing. Here's people that are rich, and they're giving out of their abundance. You know, they have a lot, and so they're giving a lot. And so here, here circumstantially, these people could give but they weren't necessarily giving as an act of worship. It's just simply because circumstantially they could. You know, it's interesting. One time, Pastor Chuck tells a story about a guy that comes into his office, makes an appointment with him. He comes in. He says, Pastor Chuck, man, I really appreciate what's going on here in the ministry. And I love to see what God's doing. So I'd like to write you a check for a million dollars. And Pastor Chuck said, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. Now, why, why do you do that? Because there were strings attached to the money. If the guy wanted, if if the guy appreciated what was going on in the ministry, and he really, and he was really giving it to the Lord, he he was giving it to Chuck. Actually, he was going to give him the check, not the Lord. And Chuck says, "I don't want that kind of money, because there's strings attached to that kind of money. I don't want that kind of money." If he really wanted to give to the Lord, he would have just dropped it in the box, and nobody would have known. Chuck wouldn't have known who gave anything. And yet the guy made the appointment with Pastor Chuck, and Pastor Chuck said, I can't take that. I'm sorry. Now, the guy could have still done it afterwards, but he didn't. Probably offended. But what a lesson. Listen, what a lesson. Because when you give, you're not giving to man. You don't make an appointment with a man to give to God. You give to God. You just give to him, and you don't worry about who knows what gave, who, who gave what. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I appreciate the fact that um, I don't have to know what people give. We have people that count the money and the people that put the money in the, in the things and take care of the tithing and all that kind of stuff. I'm thankful that I don't have to know all of that because that could affect me in the way that I minister. And I don't want to be affected that way. I want to minister to people because, you know, the Lord put me in this place and I, I'm a human being. 
And I know myself, and I know that I would be, you know, well, hold, these are the people that give. I better spend more time with them versus somebody that doesn't. You know, you know how you do. You know, and so I just don't have that barrier. I don't have to worry about that. I don't know. And I appreciate that. I don't want to know. I like, I know what I give, and that's all I need to know because it's my worship to the Lord. But, uh, you know, here these people were giving because they could give. And here, here comes a whole different set of circumstances in, in the women's court here. When, when Jesus sees this lady, this poor little old lady, she comes to maybe a receptacle over off on its own, and there's a lot of clinging, a lot of noise going on, and everybody, you know, I can imagine the disciples are like, whoa, look at the load over there. Look how much they're giving. You know, they're all caught up in it too, and everybody's like, whoa, look at all this money that's going to the Lord, and, and they're really praising man, but they're saying they're praising God and all this kind of stuff. And, and then Jesus, probably the only one in the temple, probably the only one that notices this woman, and she goes up to this little receptacle on the side and, and, you know, she opens her hand up and there's two little copper coins and it barely can see them. And she's, she's just, you know, she just, there is no clinging. You hear nothing. It just drops. Listen, she's not giving circumstantially. She's in no circumstances. She, her circumstances are such that she shouldn't be dropping anything in unless she's doing it for pure worship. And that's exactly what she was doing. She had two mites, man. That, that was like all the money she had. It's like a meal's worth of money back in this day. It's like a dollar. It's like you could go to McDonald's and get something off the dollar menu, and that's it. That's all she had. And she was a widow. You know what that means? She has no means to get any more. Like, she has no one to take care of her. She has no husband. She has no kids. She is poor, and she's a widow. She's poor because she's a widow. She has no means of taking care of herself. In this society, there was no, there was no you know, social systems that took care of people. There was no, you know, welfare or anything like that. Of course, there were, there were, there were generosity of the people, and, the, and there were giving of alms and to the poor and those kinds of things that the Lord instituted. But if you were in her situation, circumstantially, you'd be asking yourself, should I be giving at all? Should I give anything? And yet, she understands that her circumstances shouldn't get in the way of her worship. So she doesn't just bring one of the coins. She brings it all. And perhaps you need to hear that this morning because circumstantially, whether you have enough or you don't have enough, you know, it's affecting your worship, the way that you worship God. Maybe you're giving out of your abundance and there, you know, and circumstantially you're giving because you can. Or maybe you're not giving circumstantially because you can't. You can't afford it, you say. Well, if you're doing that, then you're allowing circumstances to affect your worship in God. And he sees, he observes, he watches, he knows. And that's not to convict you. It's simply to tell you, hey, God sees your worship. He understands your worship. And Jesus would remind us of the matter of the whole thing is a matter of treasure. Right? Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. What, what, what's being revealed here is who's the treasure in the person's life. Do I worship money? Or do I worship God? Where is your treasure? You know, your pocketbook tells the story. It tells the story of where your treasure is. 
If you see Starbucks a lot in your pocketbook and you don't see any ministry, ministry things in your pocketbook, you know that uh, you know, your treasure is yourself. And, and I don't, not to say that you can't spend money on yourself or anything like that, but, but it tells the story. All you got to do is open it up and look. You can tell where your treasure is. The Lord should be our treasure. The Lord should be our treasure. Everything that we have, he's given us, he's entrusted us, he's, he's blessed you with. And he's, he's, he's saying, man, just make sure you make me your treasure. Because I promise you, when you make God your treasure, he's going to bless your socks off far more. Far more. It's the parable of the talents. When God entrusts and he sees that you can handle it, he entrusts you with more. And I can tell you that that's been true in my life. I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, we, we talk about the circle of blessing and, and giving, and there's a huge circle of blessing and giving. As you give, God gives. You know, and that's why we always want to maintain this in our lives. We want to come always with our hands, palms open, not holding on to anything. Because what you're holding on to is your treasure. Whatever it is, if it's your bank account, if it's your kids, whatever it is, we want to come to the Lord like this. It's all yours. And I trust you with it, Lord. This is how she came. This is how the widow came to the Lord. Here you go, Lord. It's all yours. And she fully abandoned the idea that she could take care of herself. She said, I'm going to trust you, God. And I believe that you're going to take care of me. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your worship. Secondly, give with no expectation of giving, of getting. Verse 43, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had and all that she had to live on. Jesus sees an opportunity to teach his disciples here about giving. He sees there's an incredible opportunity. Uh, a window's opened up that he can teach his disciples uh, about giving. Now, he has to draw their attention away from the, the people giving the loads of cash because they're so mesmerized by it. And he says, hey, guys, guys, come here. I want to show you something. You see that lady over there? You know, she doesn't have a, a big band of people with her. She doesn't have sacks of money. She didn't have anything. In fact, all she gave was a couple, two, two, two little small coins, not even worth a, uh, you know, worth, a, worth a mill or something like that. But I tell you, he says, she's given more than not just one person in the line over there, but all of them collectively. Now, the treasury people would, would disagree with what Jesus said. They would say, no, they gave way more. But Jesus said from a heart standpoint, this lady gave everything she had. She gave it all, not desiring to get anything. These, this group over here, they were doing what they were doing to get something, to get attention, to draw attention to themselves, whatever it might have been. But this lady, she came and she gave out of, she gave everything that she had. Jesus isn't looking at the portion given, but the proportion of the giving. He's not looking at how much you give, but out of the proportion of what you have you're giving. He's looking at that. Some of you in this room, you could write a check for $10,000, you could put it in that box, and you wouldn't feel it. You wouldn't feel it. It wouldn't be a sacrifice to you. It wouldn't be a big deal. You'd be like, well, it might be psychologically a big deal to you. 
It might be psychologically a big deal to you. Like, wow, that's a lot of money. I don't know if I could do that. But, but you could, and you probably wouldn't feel it. Some of you, if you wrote a $10 check today, it would be everything that you had in your checking account, and you wouldn't be able to eat today for lunch. People come in different places, but God isn't looking at who's giving more. He's looking at how you're giving. He's looking at where your treasure is. He's, under, he's looking at your heart. Jesus isn't impressed with how much we can give, but how you give. The value of the gift is not determined by its amount, but the spirit in which it's given. That's why I hesitate to use the word tithe when I teach on money. Not because it's a wrong word or anything like that, but because there's a stigma with it. There's a stigma with the idea. See, we say that there's a threshold of our giving, and it's 10%, and that's what tithe means, and so therefore we give 10%, and that's what we should give. Um, You know, in the New Testament, that word doesn't exist. It's nowhere to be found in the New Testament. And the reason for that is because God has instituted a whole different level of living. He wants us to be like him. He wants a whole different level of giving. He wants us to be like him. He's a generous God. He's generous. And, he, and you know, again, uh, we, if, if you give, you know, if you didn't give 10%, you're not meeting the, the, the law, right? And so, you know, like, oh, man. But listen, God sees what you have, and he wants to see, and he, he, he looks at your heart and how you give. It's not a matter of how much you give. And, and, and so, you know, we want to put uh, parameters around this. We want to say, oh, you got to give 10% and all this kind of stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. It's in the Bible. Yeah, it is in the Bible. I personally use that as a guideline, not as a, not as a religious guideline. I use that because I see it in the Bible, and I'm like, well, I don't know. It's, you know, but, 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 but even more than that sometimes. It's not um, about a, a percentage. It's about a heart. It's about worship to the Lord. It's just saying, Lord, I'm coming with what I have, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm coming like this. And I'm coming palms up to you, Lord. And I'm going to give to you. Now, you know, it's not, you know, some of you are like, all right, I'm off the 10% thing. I don't have to worry about that anymore. You're like, yeah. But listen, it's about the heart. It really is. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when they teach on this subject, they're scared to say stuff like that. Because they're afraid that if they say there's a freedom in giving, you come as worship. It's an offering to the Lord. You know, not in coercion. Not in, you know, Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 9, 7. He said, each one must give as he is dictated or decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under a compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, you know, when we come to the Lord, we're not coming because we have to give. We're not coming because, you know, reluctantly. We're not coming because, man, I feel pressure. There's no plate being passed around here. You get to worship God right there by yourself, just you and him. And you, get, you can do it online. You can worship the Lord, you know, however you do it. But what I'm saying is it's the act of giving that's the worship. And, you, you're, you know, God doesn't want you to give reluctantly, not because there is a, you know, a, a verse in Malachi chapter 3 that says if you're not giving 10%, you're, you're robbing God of his tithe. You know, you determine in your heart whether that's true or not. That's not for me to say. That's for the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally about. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, don't come to the Lord with a threshold. Say, this is what I'm going to give. You can give 20%, 30%, 5%. Give what you've decided to give in your heart. But give 
because it's an act of worship. That's what Paul started out to say. Give. Each one must give because it's an act of worship. God doesn't want us to be wrapped up in loving money more than we love him. And so we, we, we come to him cheerfully and we give to him with no regret. You don't give emotionally. You hear a message and you're like, man, where's the checkbook? Oh, man. You know, and you're hanging your head, you're walking out the door. That's not how God wants you to give. God wants you to dance to that thing. And he wants you to dance as you put it in. And he wants you to praise him as you worship him in giving. That's how you give. If you can't give that way, don't do it. Don't do it because it's just a religious act. And, you're, and it's really, at the end of the day, a matter of law keeping. It's a matter of law keeping. The Lord would say, I'm not pleased with that. I'm pleased with a cheerful heart that gives because they recognize who I am, that I am worthy, that I deserve it. This is how she came. She came in that manner. You know, this woman, it says that she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had. This is the David mentality that's speaking about there's a sacrifice in giving. Like it should cost you something. When you give, it should cost you something. You should feel it. If you don't feel it, then it's not a sacrifice. It's only a sacrifice if you feel it. David said in, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I will feel it. I will sacrifice something to give it. Whatever it is. But it's sacrificial to the Lord. It's sort of like in the same idea, in the same vein of fasting. Why do we fast? We give up, we give up meal. Why? It's worship to the Lord. It's saying, Lord, I want to connect with you and I'm going to give something up. It's going to cost me something to grow closer to you, to get more intimate with you. I'm going to sacrifice my food as a means of growing closer to you. And so it's a, it's a sacrifice. It costs you something. The same thing with giving. You give, you know, sacrificially when you feel it to the point that you feel it. My wife and I feel it when it comes out. We understand it, but it's worship, and we love it, and we give because he's good and because of who he is, and we worship him purely because of that, not because we have to give him a thing. Because guess what? I don't have to. You know, and, and at the same token, I could give him everything I had, and if I do it in the wrong way, it's not pleasing to him anyway. Like, I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Listen, this morning, God wants to remind us that he came like that for us as well. You know, he came, palms open, holding nothing back, and he gave all for you. He gave it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There was no other son. There was no other son but Jesus. And the father said, I am willing to come, palms open, and give it all to you because I love you. Because I care about you. Because I know that you're stranded and there's no way that you can be reconciled to me without piercing of my hands and my side, without my brow being bled upon it, without my back being brutalized. You will not be able to pay for your sin. And so I will give all for you. And he did it. He held nothing back. 
And this morning, he is saying, if you come to me, don't come to me with 10%. And I'm not talking about giving. Don't come to me with 20%. Don't come to me with 80%. Don't come to me with 99% of your heart. You come with it all or don't come. You're either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Choose your path. If you're going to worship me, you do it with everything that you have. And if you aren't going to come that way, don't come. Don't come. Because it cost me everything. God doesn't fool around when it comes to salvation, folks. He's serious about it. And he wants us to be serious about it. He wants us to, to feel what he gave. The sacrifice that he gave, he wants us to feel that. I'm not talking emotionally. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about he wants us to understand that he gave it all because there was no other way. So Jesus Christ, well, like this widow, he understood as he watched her give everything that she had and trust the Lord with it. He said, in just a few days, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give everything that I have. I'm going to give my life. And I will willingly do it because my father's worthy. Because my father is worthy, and I love these people, and I want to save them. And that's why he did it. Listen, when you worship God, you worship him with everything. In your giving, in your serving, in your, you know, sharing your faith, you worship him with everything that you have, and you don't get stuck in this ritualistic Christianity. Listen, I don't know what's going to break you out of the rut, but God needs to shake the church up and get us out of this, this lull, lulling to sleep that we're, you know, just, just half-heartedly coming to the Lord and, and, and not really worshiping with everything that we have. Because I promise you, if you worship God with everything you have, your life will look different. My life will look different. And so it's a call this morning, man, to just understand one thing. God gave everything for you, and so we want to give him everything back. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for, Lord, this picture of giving, and the fact that you gave all. She, this widow gave all. Lord, she gave out of her sacrifice, Lord, for you was everything that she had. She gave out of her, out of her poverty, Lord. She had nothing else to give, but she gave everything to you. Lord, we thank you for that. We, we are thankful this morning for the teaching on how we're to give to you, Lord, that it's not, it's not about a percentage, Lord. It's about, it's about a heart of worship, Lord. It's about our attitude and the way that we give. It's not how much. You care about how we give. And I pray, Lord, that you would change our hearts as it relates to this, that you would remove the barriers that the enemy has put in place for some here today. Lord, and, and we're not, and, and also, Lord, don't, I pray that you help people understand that there, there is no guilt and shame in Christ. You paid it all. There's conviction. Maybe swaying us onto the path that you're calling us to, but Lord, your word tells us to not give reluctantly or out of compulsion. Let it be an act of worship, Lord. Father, we thank you for the elements that we have before us even, as we recognize how you've given to us. Give us everything, Lord. You gave us your son. 
He was crucified on the cross and he rose again from the grave and we have victory in him. We call upon his name. We have life. We thank you this morning for Jesus, Lord. Oh, we, we recognize this morning, God, that his sacrifice is the only reason that we can stand before you this morning. Lord, I pray for anyone here that is not clothed in Christ, that is not rinsed in, your, in his blood, Lord, that has never truly accepted him as Savior and Lord, that you would help them this morning to just recognize that, hey, this thing that we're, gonna, we're about to do in communion is a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And if I'm not in relationship with Jesus, then the remembrance is really kind of just religious. You want us to be in relationship with you. Your word tells us to come to the table, Lord, in devotion, Lord, just and just remembering what the great price that Jesus paid for us. Not flippantly, Lord, but we're coming this morning believing in you. And so, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, help them to just call out to you and say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I'm asking you to come into my heart today. I'm crowning you, Lord and Savior of my life. You gave all for me, and so I'm giving all to you, I'm giving you my life over. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me a Christian this morning. I believe Jesus died and rose again from the dead for me, and I put my faith in him. Lord, let us all remember that day. We called upon you as Lord, and let us live today as if you still are Lord of our lives because you are. We turned our lives over to you. So as we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus has done and worship you here today, Lord, that you just change our hearts. We lift this up to you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We ask you to continue to guide us by your spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.